May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with us now and ever henceforth. Amen. Shall we pray? Dear Father in heaven, we do thank thee for thy mercy and grace towards sinners. Father, as we have already heard during the Christmas season, how thou hast allowed us who have sat in darkness that we have been able to see a great light. Father, grant that even this evening that light would yet shine through thy word, which we know that thou hast sent here with that eternal and everlasting gospel, which is preached unto all men, to all sinners. Grant that, Father, for us also that we could this evening again partake of that great light that has shone from above unto a dark world and Father even unto our dark hearts so we pray Father for the Zion here in our area the Zion of America and also in Europe and other lands where thy living word has been spread and is Father we know that the time is short and therefore we need to spread thy word and we are not to keep silence for the end of all things is at hand and yet there are millions who do not know their left hand from their right. So Father we also pray for the little children, for the shut-ins, for those who are not able to be here with us this evening. But, Father, yet thou knowest where they are. Thou knowest the need of every heart. So grant that unto us, dear Father. Open thy word, Father, the seals of thy word, so that we could be edified, strengthened thereby. And, Father, we know not even our own hearts. Say nothing of the hearts of others. So we ask that thou, Father, would reveal thy word so that we could be partakers of it. Hear us, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
to his fellow traveler in faith. High, high words. It seems, at least to me, that they're far, far too high words to belong to creatures like you and I, or perhaps I should speak of myself only. But nonetheless, the good God has chosen to address us with such an address this evening. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. May that be our portion. Even as we turn to the Holy Scriptures this evening, considering one word again that comes to mind, it's the word conscience. And I guess my thoughts were turned to this book of Timothy because it's mentioned there often. And by God's grace, let's then consider some of these portions, considering them not in our own name, but in Jesus' name, reading first of all from a few verses later in this first chapter. Paul writes this way. Right after his opening address, he says, As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith. So do. So we see at the end of these few verses that there were troubles already in that early Christianity. There were those who began to turn from the truth, some of which didn't receive a love of the truth, but they were turned to fables and to genealogies, arguments that would establish their rightness and correctness, and they had questions that went on and on. But Paul instructs Timothy to leave them aside. Let's consider, he's saying, the things that are edifying, the things which are in faith. So he goes on to say then in the fifth verse, Now the end of the commandment is charity, out of a pure heart, and of a good conscience, and of faith unfeigned, from which some, having swerved, have turned aside into vain jangling. When we consider this word conscience, what fellow traveler comes to your mind? If we were to turn to a dictionary definition of conscience, I suppose we would find something to the effect that the ability to discern good and evil or that which is harmful and that which is beneficial. And of course, there's many other definitions and understandings of conscience. We could speak of a moral conscience. We could speak of a nation's conscience. We could speak of a, uh, a conscience of the mind and a conscience of the heart. But when the scriptures is speaking of conscience, I believe it's speaking of a conscience that's enlightened a conscience, as Paul writes here, uh, resulting from the charity that's made known in a pure heart. We're speaking then of a conscience 
that has been awakened and made alive and enlightened as we already heard in the prayer from above. For if we are left to our own conscience in a natural discernment of right and wrong and good and evil, we can quickly go astray. As we see here, that some have turned away from a good conscience and gone into janglings. Their question at that time was about the law. What is good? What is right? What isn't? And so on. But then he goes on here uh, toward the end of this first chapter. And uh, he, he says to Timothy this way, and isn't this good advice for us yet today? This charge, he says in the 18th verse, I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. He goes on to speak of a couple of individuals who had done just that. So what then is Paul talking about here when he talks of conscience? How is it with you and how is it with me this night when we stand before the face of the Almighty? Do you today travel, dear fellow traveler, with a free conscience? And if your conscience is free, is it free because God himself has made it free? Is it perhaps free because it has never been rightly awakened? For we see that there are those who freely can live in open sin, even in the realms of this Christianity of ours. There is no knowledge of what sin really is. Oh yes, we can recite the commandments and their meanings as we have been taught in Sunday school, but has the, the, the word of God, the law of God, ever found a lodging in our innermost? That is the question, is it not? For I, when I look back in my own experience at least, I, I'm ashamed to say how darkened my own conscience was even as a young man confessing Christianity. For I did not see with what great love I loved the world and how greatly lacking was the love toward God and the things of God and the word of God. I confessed Christianity with my lips, but my heart was far from God. Lestadius also speaks in his day of how it was and how the people at that time were one kind of person in the church and another kind outside of church. The word of God had never become a living reality in their innermost. Whether they drank from the Lord's cup here at the altar or the devil's cup, it mattered little. Some came to church in even a drunken condition, totally unaware of their drunkenness and their sin and transgression before God. Other hearts had been such that at one time their consciences were awake, but a hard skin had grown over their conscience. It became hard 
and unmoving and unrealizing of even what the scripture speaks. And then even to those who confess faith, I remember as a young man, Brother Wilford speaking of how our consciences can be. It is like, he said, a piece of leather. It can be wet and stretched this way and that. And so it can be that our heart's condition is such like also that things which at one time bothered us greatly no longer bother us and we freely are able to do them. We can live in things that we once thought were terrible. Blessed Arius, in speaking of that, he says this way, when we see those things become permissible in a man's life that were once terrible to him in his first awakening, we can see that one eye of his conscience has gone shut. Do you, dear fellow traveler, often become fearful, as I have to say I do, that this is your own heart's condition? For it can be that way that the wise and the foolish virgins can sleep together while waiting for the bridegroom. How is it then with you this night? How is it with me this night? Are our consciences truly free? Or shall we say, are they truly pure before God? For we may have a free conscience, but that conscience may not be pure before God at all. Paul writes further of this conscience. Uh, if we skip over the uh, second chapter, and uh, he speaks of what an enlightened conscience is like, we look in the third chapter, we see then uh, how he says in the ninth verse, he's speaking here of deacons, and we could maybe sidestep this and say that, well, I'm not a deacon, and perhaps you're not a deacon, but are you not a deacon in your own home? Are you not a deacon in your own life? Do you not have the responsibility that is placed upon a church deacon also? It says here, Likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. We notice, do we not, that it doesn't say free, it says pure. So when we put this word, not facing toward you, but toward me, how is it then with me? Do I travel this night with a pure conscience? Will it stand the scrutiny of the Almighty? Will it stand in the judgment? I wonder sometimes what has happened to those voices like Brother Reynolds, when in greeting already he would ask, How is it with you, Traffy? Is your conscience clean today? If Jesus came, are you ready to leave? How is it then if we ask that question of our own hearts and we turn this word toward our own hearts? Are our consciences pure? Will they stand the test? We don't hear much of conscience today, but isn't it, isn't it amazing in almost every one of these chapters in that short letter to Timothy, Paul speaks of it. If we look a little further in the fourth chapter, it says this way, right in the beginning verses, 
Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. We know that when the voice of John is heard in the innermost of our hearts, our consciences become tender. It's almost like a cut, for it is a cut. Circumcising is a cut. And at that time, every bit of, of flesh around the cut portion is tender. It's touchy. It's sensitive. And so it is with an awakened conscience when God begins his work. Even anything near the circumcised heart, anything that comes to threaten its welfare, is painful and conscience is tender but you know yourself we have in our world even in a natural way uh, we had one of our children that was constantly getting blood noses and sometimes they'd be terrible so we brought that child to the doctor who cauterized it cauterizing as those of you that are aware of the process know it's a burning and in burning you take and sear the flesh so that it is hardened, so that the blood vessels that are right near the uh, surface wouldn't begin to bleed right away. Paul here speaks of a certain type of heart that had turned from the truth. It was giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in, hypoc in hypocrisy having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Is there someone here this evening with such a condition of conscience? Nothing bothers. Your conscience has become insensitive to any of the preaching of God's word, any of the warnings of the Christians. You have no effect when the word is preached. May it be that God then, if there's such a heart here, could again cut through that part of your conscience that has become seared with a hot iron and is so hard that no word of God can penetrate it. May he so work in your heart and mine that whenever our flesh, the flesh of our inner hearts becomes so hardened, that he could yet, by his grace, as we heard in the beginning, and by his mercy, bring us yet unto that peace which is enduring, which lasts for our travel here, and lasts on into eternity. I'd like to mention also another place here before we close. It's in Titus. And uh, Paul again uh, brings up this same matter. And again, it's in and among the very first words in his letter to Titus. It's near the end uh, of, I believe it's here in the first uh, chapter of Titus. I don't see it. 
Oh, okay, it's in the 15th verse, yes, thank you. Not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth unto the pure. All things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. Wow. Heavy words. How do they reach your heart and mine? Do they come as heavy words? Or do you find in your innermost a thankfulness to God, an acknowledgement that once yes, this was exactly your heart's condition, reprobate unto every good work, abominable and disobedient. You at one time rejoiced in evil. Oh, that evil may not be so big as the world measures bigness, but I remember even a little thing that comes to mind. I remember as a young man when I had a car that would easily spin its tires. I remember there were those who uh, warned against that. And I remember leaving one, the church one time and I stepped the gas to the floor, made the tires squeal and the dust fly, and I thought I was pretty, a pretty big man. But when God took a hold of me and brought that sin and that mockery uh, to my own heart and conscience, I have to say that I was abominable and disobedient. Just a small picture of the far greater one and the far greater ways that I at least have walked with an abominable and disobedient heart before the face of Almighty. But isn't it something that even to me, that word that we heard in the beginning has been able to care for me and lead and guide me even unto this day. The grace of God, the mercy of God, that brings about a true peace. So then, Paul, in his letter, speaks of conscience not once or twice, but time and time again, reminding us of an imp the importance of a pure conscience, a conscience that will stand the test of the Almighty himself when we come to stand before him in judgment. We don't hear much about conscience today, but we read how faith is kept in the keeping of the conscience. We are kept on the way of faith when we, in obedience, uh, walk in faithfulness to conscience, care, and keeping. Then in closing, we're left with the question, how are things then, dear fellow traveler, how are things for you and for me in our consciences this night? If tonight is our last night, how will it then be when we stand before the face of the Almighty? When Jesus comes to meet his own, will we run to him or will we run from him? Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. May it be your portion and mine 
not only now, but forever. May his care and keeping be with us for each step of the way, so that even when one eye of our conscience goes shut, he would again visit us with his grace and his mercy and keep us on the way of peace. This we ask not in our own name, do we, but in the high and holy name of Jesus Christ himself, who has loved us with such a love that he has redeemed us and purchased us and won us forever as his bride. And his promise is true and faithful. What he has done, <clears throat> what the good work he has begun in us, he will finish unto the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a great place for us to rest our hope and our confidence now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> and now the Lord bless us and keep us. The Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. The Lord lift up his countenance upon us and give us peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. There will be Sunday school, Sunday at 9.30, church following at 10.30. The collection Sunday will be for the benefit of Art Berhella and his family. There'll be an evening service at 7. I'll remind you that there's a Sunday school teachers meeting at Jim and Judy Traffies on Tuesday the 28th. In closing tonight, we'll sing Psalm 186 from the small book. And during the singing of this song, we'll carry a free will offering for the benefit of the church.